When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Vernomatic Productions. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music, interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, metalmayhemroc.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. And now, welcome tonight's host, John the Vernomatic Verno. Good evening, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well as we pivot into springtime as we enter April. As always, new content drops every Thursday night. Tonight's episode, we have Nasty Ronnie Galletti, also known as Nasty Ronnie, from legendary Tampa metal band Nasty Savage. Metal Mayhem ROC correspondents Southern Cal and Bill the Rager had a chance to catch the band recently in Orlando, Florida, so... Bill and Kale are going to join me and Ronnie in a couple minutes, and we're going to discuss that show, what Nasty Savage is up to in 2023, and as always, take a walk down heavy metal memory lane. It's coming up with just a second, but first, wanted to share some exciting news here at Metal Mayhem ROC. We've been offered and accepted an invite to join Pantheon Podcasts. Now you're asking, what is that, Vernomatic? Only the world's biggest music podcast network. It's invite only, and it's all music podcasts. We have something for everyone here. History podcasts, interviews, stories, commentary, news, reviews. There's about 60 or 70 podcasts up there. It's totally cool, and we're very honored to be part of this club. So again, that's Pantheon Podcasts. You can go to pantheonpodcast.com to get more information and we'll have direct links on our website soon. Speaking of our website, we invite you to get up there and join our community by signing up for our weekly newsletter. This is our chance to give you updates on new podcasts, reminders for our Monday Night Live radio show on Metal Devastation Radio, get involved with the contests and giveaways. Staff reviewer Mark Zagati has CD blog reviews. We do reviews of all the shows we go to. Just recently, I have a fresh review for the Striper show from last weekend. The Vixen set, Cal and Bill, the Rager, have a review of that Nasty Savage show. Metal Waltz going to shows every other day. He's getting reviews up there. So again, get up to the MetalMayhemROC.com website. While you're there, download some past shows. 
Recently, we had uh, Legions of Doom. That's that tribute band to the late, great Eric Wagner of Trouble. A couple guys from Trouble and Corrosion of Conformity have gotten together to do a tribute tour this spring and summer. And we had Bobby Gustafson from Overkill and Violence and Satan's Taint. He was on talking about his brand in 2023. So again, do us a favor, get up to that website and join our community. Joining our community right now is my two rivet head friends, Bill the Rager and Southern Cal. What's up, fellas? How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. So um, tonight we have Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage. You two cats had a chance to see him um, late March up in Orlando, Florida. Bill, you lived in Tampa where the band is from, and you have a long history seeing the band. What would you take out of this interview? Uh, my favorite part was when he talked about the the Tardy brothers coming to his house when they were kids, asking him how to start a band. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's awesome. You know, uncovering those stories that you can never even, you couldn't make this shit up. Hey, all right. Uh, we're not going to give all of it away, but in the interview, he shares a lot of those reflections. Cal, what'd you get out of this? Because you, you had a chance to see the band for the first time. Yeah, and... Uh... Ronnie, he's the same on stage as he is off stage. Um, he's just out there preaching it, living it, uh, making the most of it. And that's exactly what he said to everybody on stage at the, at the show. Uh, that's what I took out of it. He, he, what you see is what you get. And uh, he doesn't compromise or try to change things or hide things. That's, that's Ronnie right there. The legendary, nasty Ronnie Galetti. All right, well, that's what we got tonight. It's great to get both of uh, Cal and Bill the Rager on here as we, you know, dig up some of our old favorite, you know, underground metal guys. That's what we do here. For Bill the Rager and Southern Cal, I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. This is Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage here on Metal Mayhem ROC with Vernomatic. Southern Cal and Bill the Rager. It's coming at you right now. Nasty Savage in the house. So let's get the nasty one in. Live from Florida. Nasty Ronnie of Nasty Savage. Hey, Ron, thanks for joining Metal Mayhem. How are you, man? Man, it's good to be here on Metal Mayhem with you guys. Uh, you're doing a great job. I'm excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. I dug up some rivet heads to spend the day with us up here. They happen to both be in Florida. The first cat goes by the name of Southern Cal. Roddy, hello, and thank you for joining us today. What's up, Cal? Were you at the show last week? I was. I was. I'm over in Melbourne, Florida. Okay, cool. I, I met you over there. Yep. Our other rivet head goes by the name of Bill the Rager, and he has a long history with you, Ron. Why don't you two say hello? Hey, Ron. How's it going? It's Bill the Rager. I'm currently in Melbourne, but I was a former Tampa resident back in the 90s. Cool, man. So you probably saw a show or two here in Tampa Bay, Nasty Savage? I sure did, back in the day, yes. Awesome. We 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 play here lately maybe just one or two times a year, so not not a lot. Hey, that's better than never, man. Yeah, it's whatever kind of want to just call the brass bug and they get us a gig, they get us a date, but I don't want to overdo it. Right on. So you rivet heads out there listening, a lot of you are familiar with Nasty Savage, but some of you are like, hey, who are these guys? 
Well, they go back to the mid eighties. They, they come from Tampa, Florida, couple kick ass three or four albums in the eighties, took a break and now they're back. So Ronnie, congratulations on what you've done in your career. You know, it's been 35, 40 years, but you know, we haven't forgotten well, some of these turnouts. We're seeing a lot of kids at these shows. You know, it's really good for, uh, you know, a, a show like this to educate people on metal and, uh, you know, not forget where we come from. You know, Nasty Savage is a band that inspired bands like Obituary, Deicide, Morbid Angel, Death, uh, and the list goes on and on, you know. And, and because back from Brandon, Florida, was a place that at one time was the heavy metal capital of the world. I mean... Sabotage was around, and, and after we recorded in Sound Studios, people came from all over the world just to record there. And a guy named Scott Burns turned into a, a guru producer. When we recorded there, he was an assistant, you know, to Jim Morris. And, uh, you know, he turned into just this mega, mega producer that with uh, respect from all over the world on death metal and you know, it, it's really cool to be able to, uh, you know, get the respect and the props from guys like that who, who remember where they come from, remember seeing the mayhem on stage, and then they took it to a whole nother level. And, and you're right. Uh, there's old time thrashes coming out. But what's really cool is dad is bringing in the sun. And we have generations of metalheads that are, and I'll pull them on stage and I'll make a statement with them and I'll testify because um, that's that's unbelievable when we travel around the country and the world and there's generations, there's fathers and sons, there's daughters and, you know, and mothers even or dads. It, it really says a lot about the state of heavy metal and you can't judge a book by its cover. Kale, why don't you share your input on the Melbourne show? with the two kids from Jacksonville that you met. Well, right before I had introduced myself to you at the end of the show. Wait, wait, hold on. You're talking about it. Sorry, it, was, it was in, um, where was that? Orlando. Yeah, it was Orlando. Winter Park. Okay. Winter Park at the Conduit, the new Conduit. Yeah. Great place. Um, right before I had talked to you, um, you were talking to those two kids, and we had met them and talked to them before the show going in, and they were had driven down from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, up front for the whole show, singing the words. You were throwing the mic down to them for the chorus. I mean, that's just the, uh, like you said, that's the future of heavy metal right there. It was nice to see some young kids in there. I believe they were probably 18, 19 years old. So brought me back to my youth, you know, back in the 80s. So it was great to see. And uh, you were, you were preaching the metal that night and it was great it was great to hear well you know i, I think um if you're smart and doing this business and we've lasted this long we got to throw some knowledge out there and uh, let people know what time of day it is you know and 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 just kind of relate to the people you know back in the 80s i was singing a, a lot about under lightning and metal and posers and kicking ass and fighting and shit but as you grow older your your um your music might change a little bit, but also your lyrical content and maybe a message, and where it's always been in an ad, abstract form of reality and adversity and you know mankind issues. Um, when you get a chance to speak to a crowd, and you have a chance to make a difference, or at least send them home uh, with with um, 
you know, an entertainment factor, but also a knowledge factor. Uh, I think it's very important to let people know that, man, let's have fun tonight. Let's celebrate because we're in this together. You're nowhere else but here. Let's have the time of our life. I'll take you on a trip. I'll take you on a trip and I'll burn images in your brain that will last forever. Yeah, I got a nice picture I'm going to have uh, blown up of you when you were looking through the uh, TV screen or what was left of it, let's say, of that little Samsung that you destroyed on stage. Yeah, man, it's, it's an exciting feeling when you're on stage. And, you know, I just try to take people on a trip, but it's the music that does it. So if it wasn't for the music, I wouldn't do my crazy shit. But the music kind of, it's kind of hypnotic to me. And you just got to get into it, you know. And, and I, like I said, I, I just kind of take people on a trip. But it's very real, you know, and um, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing in the world. It's just something I do, you know, and uh, I think it, it reflects to people who can maybe say, damn, that's a little different than the last bands I saw. And it's all good. All, all metal's good. All music is good. It's, it's when you have the stage, it's what you do with it. You know, in the old days, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, Elvis, or Johnny Cash would share the same stage. I mean, they would share the same stage on these little tours. And, like, Little Richard would get off the stage, go to the top bat, and then Jerry Lee Lewis would burn his piano down, you know, because he had the stage. And Elvis and, you know, Johnny. So when you have the stage, all I'm saying is make the most of it, you know. That's yours while you have it. And um, I pity the people who have to go after us, <laughs> not only for the mass, but for the pure mayhem. Right. Right. Let's talk to music. Uh, 2023 had a review of the show. Unfortunately, I wasn't there. You played a new instrumental. Is this a new band that was playing tonight? Is there new material or are you just doing these one offs? Well, a uh, good question, because, you know, it's it's always that uh, gold in every band to, to write new material, to do something with it, to be productive, to produce. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, we've been jamming with the same guys for a while. Dave Austin just uh, left the band um, after our last show in, in Mexico City eight months ago, and he was just kind of burnt out. And um, so he's, he took a hiatus, but to me, it wasn't the end of Nasty Savage. It's not the end. So I said, I still have some more in me. And at the time, we were working on some new songs, and one of them was when we played, uh, so the guys learned that one, and we're working on about three or four other ones for a new demo. There's you know, plenty of labels that are interested in hearing it. Who knows what kind of business we'll be able to do. But, uh, yeah, the, the song we played was called The Sixth Finger, you know, so it's just like typical Nasty Savage, progressive and uh, complex, fast, slow, you know, it's just that, that in that groove, you know, and... And I told the new guys, I said, look, it doesn't matter if we have, we'd, I'm not trying to sound, we don't have to sound like the 80s Nasty Savage. It's 2023 here. Let's create a vibe that, that we can all live with and, you know, that we want to do. We're not doing it for anybody else but ourselves. And we never have conformed anything. So, um, you know, it's just, man, let's create some badass stuff. 
you know, and, and that's where we're at. We're really, we wanted to get through this gig and, um, and then move on. And, and now we're, we're writing some new stuff. The new guitarist is a, a, a real, um, thrasher and he, you know, he's a, he rips, you know, he's a shredder, what I wanted to say, David Orman. And, you know, Pete has been there for a while. He's been with us for years and, uh, bass player, Scott, um, Scotty Carino, you know, he used to play with Death. He was on one of their albums. And uh, Jim Coker was in Brutality, and he's been our drummer for years now, So um, since Curtis left. So, yeah, we're we're really, um, you know, we're, I, I say I'm in the fourth quarter of life, so we might as well do something with it, you know. It's like Picasso in his older days, man. He was producing more and more and more and more and more, you know, as he was getting older and older and going to die, you know. So... We're not going to sit around and you know, I do a lot of other stuff in life, you know, family, business, um, all kinds of other stuff. I'm, I'm a kind of an entrepreneur, but uh, you can't forget your roots in heavy metal because, you know, like you said, it's been 35, 40 years still doing it, man. You got to thank God for that. You got to thank uh, your fans for that. Oh, sure. Uh, we all have lives and careers. But we have, we're all com- uh, connected by this love of metal. Bill, you got the stories f- from living in Tampa all those years, and you reconnected with Jim, the drummer, at the show. Now, you had a chance to see Nasty Savage a lot throughout those years. How did la- uh, last weekend's Orlando show differ from some of the older Nasty Savage shows? And oh, can you share some of your memories with all of us, with the, those old Tampa shows. Yeah, I mean, that that was killer. That And it was good to see Jim uh, playing the drums there, man. He was he was kicking it. And, uh, yeah, back in the day, I saw you guys in uh, one of those brass mug shows. It was a, a reunion gig of sorts at the time. We weren't officially together at the time, I don't think. And, uh, yeah, this show was comparable for sure. <laughs> I'd have to say one of my favorite shows, though, was when you guys played 2004. There was a metal fest in St. Pete. I don't know if you remember that. There's a whole bunch of different bands. Obituary, DSI, Testament. Oh, I yeah, think I even Body Count played. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you guys killed it that night. That was a really good show. I think Raven played, too, even. But this was my first time. Last week was the first time I saw you since that show. And I, I think the 2004 gig, you had everybody original. Where am I mistaken? Except, uh, well, Richard Bateman, unfortunately, has passed on since then. But I think he was he was playing bass then. I was in a band with Richard for about a year in 98 uh, with him and Richard Burnell from Morbid Angel. What band was that? Uh, we were called Swollen. Wow, Richard, Richard jammed with so many people, man. He was such an unbelievable person father husband friend or anybody who knew him he was just a kind soul man and, and what a he really was. he was i always admired richard yeah we did that tour 60 shows in 65 days with dri and sick of it all across america and uh richard you know sometimes with bands we'd be in the middle of a big fight or bullshit with our manager back in the tampa you know with adrian our curtis's dad or we'd yeah. be just Without Richard would go, it's cool. Everything's going to be fine. You know, he was just always the mellow guy, you know, but man, he could just yeah. pass on stage, man. If you had an opportunity to jam with him, um, that was really uh, precious moments, bro. Really. 
Absolutely. He was a great dude. Uh, yeah, he was always a mediator because there was times that things got tense in our band room and he would always be the guy to step in and cool everybody off. <laughs> you know, and I, I really always appreciate the love he had for his wife and yes. always thinking about her and called her, you know, and really was just a stand up, stand up guy, you know, just a kind, yeah. the best way to categorize Richard is a kind soul that was badass motherfucker on a base, you know, that just a really kind, kind, great dude that was very talented beyond belief. Absolutely. I okay. agree. Ronnie, last fall, we had a chance to catch up with Dave Overkill from Destructor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had some kind words about the scene back in the day. Now, you're in Tam you're in Tampa. You know, we jokingly call it swamp metal. But, you know, like you said, sabotage, obituary. What about some of the your, your uh, Metal Blade fellow bands at the time? Was there a community within the musicians that us fans always held these bands as our friends. Was it really like that for in the metal community as musicians? Um, you know, we, we used to trade tapes with people like Caton from uh, Hyrax. Uh, we traded uh, tapes wow. a lot. We were out there pushing at marketing and, you know, media guys. Um, we'd, we'd meet a lot of people that way. But uh, the guys, what maybe through Metal Blade, because they're from Georgia. Remember, we went up and played with Slayer at Labor. Uh, one time and went in the early days when we first started out was played at CBGB's and stuff, but not, not really because the East coast, West coast thing, it, it kind of stayed in our own turf. And, you know, the, it seemed to me like the guys, the guys on the West coast were in their own world and we were kind of just trying to survive. And, and guys like Dave from destructor and those guys were just mid, um, you know, like mid, what's that, the middle of America kind of hardcore blue-collar guys that were just yeah, down-to-earth guys when you met them. You know, that, I mean, that's everybody we met, when we meet them, it's always cool. But it, it's just uh, the people you stay in touch with is, is very few and far between, you know. And you just cherish the moments when you get a chance to be around people. And and like I said, when you have the stage, that's when you show them who you are and, and what we're all about. And, that's the coolest thing, man, because when you go on stage, it's like, yeah, man, this is who we are. It's all we have. It's our, it's who we are, you know? Cal, what did you pull out of that show last week in your remembrance of growing up with Nasty Savage? Well, first of all, it sucks that that's the first time that I've gotten to see Nasty Savage. Um, my, one of my more favorite bands. Thank God I saw that you guys were playing there. It was by my mistake, actually, that I saw it. And, uh, you know, I called Bill the Rager. I said, dude, we got to go. Yeah. Uh, it was great. I, it was everything I expected um, from the theatrics to the, like, Ronnie the, the preacher to Ronnie kind of the, the semi-pro wrestler with the TVs, uh, Ronnie talking with the fans and the band, um, that Sixth Finger song fucking jammed what a face melter that was totally sick song looking forward to some new stuff obviously uh just i was just psyched you played all the songs i liked some of the newer stuff in there the later on stuff it was just totally impressed and loved it the legendary ronnie nasty ronnie like i said you you don't know when's going to be your last show so you better give it a hundred percent every time whether there's 50 people 100 people or five thousand people you know 
uh, there wasn't a ton of people. There's probably a hundred people at that there. Uh, for some reason, I think they let us down on some of the promotion. I got there and on the front windows, they had all these posters of bands coming in. There wasn't one for Nasty Savage. What the hell? You know, it's like, damn. Vader was playing the next night. And uh, so that's a pretty big band coming to town. And, you know, it's hard for the metal fans. They have to make a choice. So I figured the people who made that choice to come here tonight when we played deserve 110%, you know? And then, so that's, I loved it. You'd mentioned the young kids and, you know, that was really cool when, when you could inspire younger musicians or younger metal fans to go out and try to meet the next band and try to like, talk to them and learn and, you know, and, and show their knowledge, you know? So you, you've got to give the time to people and, and you just have to, because that's metal's more real than anything I could think of besides biker, you know, that's what I love about what I do. It's a parallel of reality of real people. And if you can make someone's day, you know, I mean, damn, they took the time to be there, you know, to get ready to put the studs on or, you know, whatever it may be. They, they, they paid the ticket price. They were in the room. And we have to share those great moments together, man. And, and I just hope that when they left, they felt a little special because they were special to be part of that show. You talk about memories. Uh, we have a listener question. Seth Voorhees of Rochester, New York asks, or actually comments, uh, Nasty Savage, fucking love the band. I saw them most recently in Houston in 2018. Christ, I still have a piece of the TV in my office. <laughs> Houston, Texas, James Rivera, Hellstar. Do you remember this show and do you remember Seth? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, we played a couple of shows in Texas, San Antonio, Houston, and um, I, think, uh, damn, like, I think it was three shows, maybe just the two. And it was a smaller room. Uh, and then the guy again in San Antonio is this big metal fest. It turned out to be not a big metal fest. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> talk about James Rivera. That dude is like timeless, man. He's like, he's a vampire. You know, he's like, he's amazing. He's a part of metal history and Texas history. And when you talk about Texas, man, I mean, that's one of the places we got our start. We did a demo tape tour of, of Texas before we even got signed to Metal Blade Records because of KPFT in Houston and KISS in San Antonio actually sent a reel-to-reel -reel tape to Metal Blade and said, you need to sign these guys. But, um, you know, the I love to smash a TV, but I love to give out the parts to people. They, they don't expect it. I start breaking it up and handing it to them. They go, oh, shit. You know, European people love that, Germans. Oh, man. And it's just the look on their faces when they get a little prize, you know, it's like sort of like Cracker Jacks, man. You go home, you get a prize too. It's like dinner and a show. And uh, I have my piece up <laughs> on my wall. Yeah. And, and, and now I'm now I'm into giving out flowers and I always bring a few bouquets of flowers and make the promoters get them because the TV, it's like, it's like a bullfighter, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, um, the bullfighter, messes with the bull with the cape and stuff and the whole time but you know what's going to happen at the end of the bull it's going to get sacrificed you know or in the in the name of the game whatever kind of brutal but so with the tv set i start from the get-go trying to work with it talk to it pull it around like a little wagon or you know i i get the people to follow this thing that's happening and 
this other object that's on the stage and why is it there? What is he doing to it? He's talking, he's looking, it's not coming on. You know, he's dragging it by the tail around and the remotes, if I have them, I try to turn them on and off and on and off and off, you know? So, you know, it's, it's like, but we do the morgue. And when I talk about the morgue, it's a message to the kids and people that if you're not talking to someone in your life, man, Make the call to them because we're all, no one's perfect. And if it's our mom or dad or we're not spending time or you know someone who's really having a hard time and might be thinking suicide, reach out to them, people. Reach out and make a difference in a life because if not, you might see them in the morgue, you know, and that's one of our songs. So the morgue starts, I put the skull mask on and then I can act out tragedy. With a, When you put a mask on, you can act that out. And you can hide behind a mask, but you can show your true emotions, or you could play out any emotion you want. So I choose tragedy, sadness, bring the people into that. Then I'll take the flowers and I'll start pulling little petals off and throwing them on the TV, like I'm, you know, like it's a memorial. And then I start ripping them off, and then I start throwing them down, and I, I just start yeah. raging at this TV set. But it could be anything in life that I'm raging about. So. It's leading up. It's all leading up. It's storytelling at its finest if you follow that. So that's what I've I've refined that through the years. And it's now at an older age of mine, I really appreciate it and like very passionate about telling that story and taking people like what what is he doing? Oh, look what he's oh, the flowers are because of you know, let him figure it out. But at the end, there's flowers and pedestals glass and smash tvs and it's just this exotic weird looking surreal like a dolly thing it's just shits all over the place blood people have stuff you know they're like what the hell do we just see god damn i can't wait to tell my mom about this shit uh, so that's that's where we're at with that you know and then i take the mask off and i go back to the next thing and maybe it's unchained angel so i'll pull out a chain and then i'll, I'll smack yeah. the chain across the tv and i'll rip it across my forehead or i'll rip it around the, the guy's heads and thrash with them and i'll get everybody involved if i can you know it's just it's just a part of the night that we we've got to do more than just sit up there and strum a guitar and, and sing in a microphone where did the TV originate from? Why a TV? Well, it's a it's a good question. Um, um, it's a good question, and and you know, I was always inspired by Wendy O. Williams and the Plasmatics. You know, uh, Wendy would saw guitars in half. She would smash TV sets with a with a sledgehammer. She would drive Cadillacs into a pool, but she was really anti anti-establishment and all that so i kind of got it from there and i just i was infatuated with the plasmatics because uh the impact the wow factor shit you know the wendy o williams i started writing to her and i got to meet her and she actually plugged our first album on this uh, metal show she was doing like on mtv or something and she promoted it uh nasty savage so when i went to cbgb's I, I was sitting there, and the owner goes, are you wrong? I go, yes, sir. He goes, I've got a telegram for you from Wendy Williams. And it was a telegram from <laughs> Wendy. I said, hey, I'm sorry, Nasty. I can't be there tonight at um, at um, CBGB's, but I'll be tomorrow at Lemoore. So I said, oh, cool. Awesome. That's cool. I still have it. So I get to Lemoore, 
and we get off stage, right? And uh, I go in Slayer's dressing room. I was all bloody and shit, of course. Um, so I, was all, I go in the Slayer's dressing room, and I asked him, I go, hey, man, you think I could take a shower? Because we were in this dressing room in the basement with no shower or nothing. And they go, hell no, you can't, man. Like, no way. Get out of here. They were really dicks, you know, back then. I was like, oh, "Oh, okay, thanks. And I left. Then they went on stage, so I went in there, dressed in her bed, and I took a shower. And then uh, (laughs) Wendy came in there. So here I am uh, in a towel or something, and Wendy Williams comes in, and we kind of hung out for a while. We hung out long enough where Slayer came back in their dressing room, and me and Wendy are sitting there in their dressing room. They go, hey, what the fuck? They go, hey, it's Wendy. And she goes, hey, boys. She goes, well, I'm here to see Nasty Ronnie. She goes, come on, Ronnie. We walked out. So <laughs> it was kind of cool. But the TV started from our very first show. I think I smashed it with a sledgehammer. But I, I just kept using it more and more and refined it to, to write last Friday night to uh, my last chapter where the TV set until the next one, you know. So it's every time it's a... Uh, it's the part of that theatrics that I like to do, but you know, I've never really been injured, injured from a TV set, except in Mexico, I had a piece of glass go into my leg, a real thick, like a real thick slab of glass, so size of about cool. a dime thick though, went right into my leg and I, I didn't get it up for like a couple of weeks. when I got back to Florida. I said, man, something's in my leg, man. So I have a doctor bill still from that one. But, it, you know, it's painful because yeah. they had to cut it back open and pull it out. But, um, you know, it's just something I've always done. It. That's how it started, though, with Wendy O. Williams back in the day. But on a side note, when I was at Lemoore, Billy Milano was there from uh, MOD. When S-O-D. He was, S.O.D. And he did a, an interview in Metal Forces magazine, like, uh, I guess a couple of weeks later. And they said something about, I don't know, they're talking about how tough he was or some shit. Then he goes, yeah, he goes, I'm not a fake like that nasty Ronnie guy. Um, he he smashes fake TVs and shit. Then he goes, I can kick his ass in 10 seconds. I'm like, oh, shit. So, of course, the media <laughs> reaches out to me going, nasty Ronnie, nasty Ronnie. This is what, because it's a European, he goes, this is what Billy Bolano says. What would you like to say back? I said, well... I go, uh, tell Billy when I see him, I'll have my stopwatch and we'll see if he can beat my ass in 10 seconds. So uh, we go back <laughs> to New York and we're, we're, we're playing in New Jersey and I see Billy Milano. I'm on stage and I see him walking around the club. I'm like, oh shit. Uh, so then this is where I'm playing. I, I started looking for him and I, I was just bird dogging every person in the whole place. Then I saw him. I saw him. That bowling ball, big motherfucker, you know, big motherfucking dude, really stocky and shit, big chest. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, there he is, motherfucking Italian nasty Ronnie. I don't give a fuck. So uh, I, I saw him go into the bathroom. So I waited ten, nine, eight, seven, and I go in the bathroom. And he's in there taking a leak. So I walk in. I put my hand behind his head and push his face right into the wall. You know, while you're taking the leak, you're pretty vulnerable. So I had his head right up there. I pushed it off and I go, hey, Billy, it's Nasty Roddy. And I brought my stopwatch. He goes, oh, man. He goes, oh, man. He goes, uh, I didn't. I go, I was having a real bad time at the time and this and that. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, oh, good. Then we don't really have to fight. I'm thinking that. But I was like, yeah, come on, brother. Let's go. And my bass player, Richard Bateman, Richard Bateman was in there at the time. And so is Dan Lanker from uh, 
nuclear assault. And Richard used to tell that story. Oh man, I would love for Richard because that's a third person telling it, not me. And, and he he would tell that story so good. But since then, you know, we became friends, and you know, I was glad we didn't really fight. But I had to stand up for my name. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Guys, you can help me on this. Um, Wendy o. Williams is from our hometown. We're all originally from R- Rochester, New York. She's from Rochester, yes. I was going to say that. So is Dan Dan Lilker lives in Rochester as well. Dan, Dan, I just saw them because we played the Carolina Chainsaw Massacre. Nuclear Assault played after us, and then um, two other bands played after us. So you could imagine how fired up I was when there's three bands playing after Nasty Savage. I was like, oh, shit. So it was like, I remember seeing they were right on the edge of the stage in the back watching, and I could tell they were like going, hey, boys, we got to step up our game tonight because uh, <laughs> yeah. what this motherfucker's doing. You know, so it was like that Elvis, Little Richard, Johnny Cash shit, and that's what makes music happen. That's what makes heavy metal happen. And that's what brings people together and to give it their all for the fans. So uh, it was really great to be able to see Dan and talk to him. What a great guy he was. But Wendy O. Williams, getting back to her, um, she she used to send me letters and stuff. And I've got postcards from her. And, um, you know, we, we had a good relationship. And she was very inspired. She was really smart and way ahead of her time. And uh, it's unfortunate she's no longer with us, but... She left her mark, you know, and, and she she didn't take any shit off anybody. Actually, I tried to get, I, I produced this movie. I was a creative producer of a movie called Nation's Fire a couple of years ago. We filmed it in L.A. And Gloria Nation, which is a friend of mine, Chris DeGrotti, who funded the movie, $1.5 million. We filmed in L.A. for 25 days in, the, in, in Burbank in the studios up in the Hollywood Hills. Bruce Dern was in the movie. Uh, Gil Bellows from Shawshank Redemption and also um, um, Chuck Liddell, MMA fighter. Anyway, I was telling Kristen, I said, Kristen, you got to do a story, you got to do a movie on Wendy O. Williams. You know, even if it's a day in the life of Wendy O, this girl, Kristen, would be perfect for her. She looks just like her, same body, same fitness. But uh, Wendy O is just so amazing. I got to meet her a few times and played Gainesville one time. I got to meet her backstage. She gave me a copy of her Metal Priestess album, signed it for me. That was just part of our relationship. What a what a what a smart woman she was, and uh, misguided, I guess, and misjudged. And uh, unfortunately, like I said, she's no longer with us. But you know, the things you do when you're on the road, the people you meet—it's only a moment in time. You got to make the most of it every day, like you guys are doing right here on this on this show. What you're doing for metal to help out bands and tell let them tell their stories is great. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, uh, you know, I was in a band with Richard Burnell for Morbid Angel, and you said you guys did a show back in the early days, and uh, I guess a couple of members in, in Morbid Angel showed up, and they had something about a dead cat or something, and I guess you guys got pretty upset about that. Do you remember that incident? Oh, yeah. Someone just brought that up the other day, but I wasn't <laughs> upset about it. How it how I think it started was we were playing at Ruby's Pub back in I mean this might be before our album maybe you know maybe our first album was out but I get to the gig and I'm usually there like right before we go on stage I would get there like if we're going on at midnight I get there at ten minutes till and just go right on boom right on stage 
So I get yep. there and Curtis, the drummer, was out back on behind the bar where I parked at. And these three guys were like all around him. And they're like, like I said, something's not right. I said, Curtis, what's up? He goes, Ronnie, Ronnie. He goes, these guys are fucking with me. I go, well, what's up? He goes, they're trying to get their necklace back. So well, what it was, I didn't know it at the time. It was the three guys from Morbid Angel. And Curtis had Trey's, um, I guess, necklace, satanic necklace or some kind of shit. And they wanted <laughs> to get it back. Curtis must have found it. So I go, hey, I go, do you guys want to go swimming? And I and they go, what? And I looked over there, and there's this big ass mud puddle. <laughs> and they go, <laughs> and they went, Whoa. and they're like, and they like, and they conjured away. They it was like it was so weird. I swear I can't describe it. It's almost like a movie. How they looked and they went, and they like scampered away. So um, <laughs> the next the next time we played. The mayhem of thrashers, headbangers, stage just nonstop, like a wave, just nonstopping. Uh, through this, this hand comes through the state, through the crowd, in a little box, like you put a baseball in. <laughs> As of course, I open it up, and through the mayhem, I open it up, and it's a cat head. It's <sighs> a cat head in there. I go, oh shit. And I pull it up and look at it, and all of a sudden, someone took it out of my hand. That was the last time I saw it. It was part of the crowd. But I think it was like, the scary message back to Nasty Savage for for telling me to get the fuck away from my drummer or some shit. But yeah. That's all I know about it. But it, it it didn't piss me off. I just thought it was I just thought it was part of the show. But after a while, I kind of put it one, two, three together and said, "Oh, I wonder if they did that." And I think they did. So they sacrificed yeah, the cat. I think Richard wasn't in on that, but yeah, he told me about that. I don't think he remembered the whole part of the the necklace part of the story because he didn't tell me that half of it. But uh, yeah, he told me about the cat. I don't know. I guess afterwards, some people weren't too happy about the cat being sacrificed. That out, you know, it's not too cool. Especially like Donald from Obituary, he has a whole business to help cats, stranded cats. Oh, I mean, yeah. he would be really pissed at that. Uh, oh yeah. What is? But you know. Um, I just thought it was priceless when I walked up and I said, do you guys want to go swimming? You know, and I, they looked at me and they looked, to the, looked at the water. They all looked at it together. Like all their three heads moved at the same time. Look, then they went, and it was classic. It was great too. It was, but Curtis wasn't afraid either, man. He'd take them on, but I don't think we ever had any ill will with those guys. Maybe just that one instance. I think, well, they might have got that necklace back. Too. No, Richard didn't. He 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 said he was definitely influenced by you guys as far as you know stepping up their game, and because you guys were, you know, you had a stage show, you had you were killer musicians, and you made everybody else want to be better musicians. You know, yeah. Well, we had no one to follow either, man. We had to forge our way. We were make we were doing shit in cow pastures and charging five bucks to get in or three dollars and you know setting up the whole stage and you know we were pioneers man and right. that's all we knew i mean we didn't we didn't like get on board with somebody to get get the crowds or nothing and although a lot of people did that we gave everybody a shot death played with us two or three times they used to come to our practices they were wearing nasty savage shirts all the time and it was it was some fun times you know uh, but speaking of that i was at my when i lived at home with my mom and dad one day my mom says oh ron there's two boys at the door. They want to talk to you. And I go, okay. So I go to the door and they go, are you nasty, Ronnie? I go, yeah. He goes, well, we're John and Donald Tardy. 
and uh, we want to know how to start a band. They were on their bicycles, man. They came to my That's They figured awesome. out where I live. That's how smart those dudes are. They came directly right. to the source of the metal guy that was a marketing metal guru, me, because that's all I knew. Hell, I wasn't really a singer. I just played one on stage. I was a marketing dude. And uh, <laughs> so I said, dude, I love you guys. I said, let's go to Lithia Springs. And, and I put him in my car at a 70 Chevelle. We went to Lithia Springs, this place here in Tampa, uh, Lithia outside of Brandon, and we threw the Frisbee for like five hours. Man, I, I, I educated them boys. And, you know, they never forgot that, you know, and they- uh, No, that's, a, that's awesome, in, man. They put us in that video, 10,000 Ways to Die or whatever it was. And have yep. you seen- Yes. Yep. Did you that they, they, they go to a Savage concert and shit? It was animated? That is over yeah, like five yeah. million views or more. I don't know how many views, but that helped get a lot of new people figuring out what the hell Nasty Savage is. And, That's um, great. You know, then they put out their book. Uh, they put out a book. There's a whole chapter of Nasty Savage inspiration and influence. And, uh, man, I, I just, those guys have been so, so amazed at their work ethic and Terry Butler, everything he's doing. And, you know, just how smart the Tardy Boys are. They're just really smart guys. I respect them so yep. much. And I'm proud of those guys, you know. I'm really proud. They turn into a real business and all the best to those guys. I see it once in a while. And actually, Donald Tardy, uh, he produced our album, Psycho Psycho. So he was the yeah. drummer producer, and the guy, Paul Prater, was a drummer producer as well. And um, so the drums sound really good. <laughs> then I was doing my vocals. I go, oh, that's, uh, that's great. Next, I go, hold on a minute. I want to do another overdub. <laughs> oh, no, that sounded great. <laughs> like, but no, I mean, it was. it's really cool to see the progress of, uh, you know, guys who are really dedicated in their field like that. But that's Absolutely. a great story right there, man. It came to my house on bicycles. That's, that's awesome. Fucking, that's awesome. Ron, do you have any uh, cool stories about Sabotage, maybe when they were Avatar or when they turned into Sabotage and the oh, yeah, Brothers? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I remember seeing them when they were called Avatar, and uh, Dan Johnson was – the guy who like broke them into the business, got him signed to Par Records, and we were always trying to chase him down to sign us. And you know, I guess we never were good enough for that, and the, because they were just so great musicians. But uh, man, we used to go to every sabotage show and slam dance up front. Me and Diva know I would slam dance head on in each other. Um, remember one time we were playing with them at, at the London Victory Club, and. Um, we were going on stage and, you know, we brought the people and the mayhem and, and they'd like always cut our set short or shut the lights off or see they do something. But there was one time in particular, we were going off, we were going out of the dressing room and after we left, John Oliva said something about us and we heard it or someone heard it and told me, he goes, wait till you see these guys. They're a real joke. <laughs> they say, he said that. I'm like, oh man, we used to, I really love John. Great songwriter, musician, and all that. But anyway, those are the kind of stuff because we're just the young guys coming on to them. And, you know, they were all established and shit. And we're like from the backyard, you know, like we're just young and dumb. You know, we're just doing our shit, crazy stuff. And they were like, they never took us serious. Never. They, they didn't respect us, I don't think. But they had to respect uh. when the people were there chanting for encores and stuff. And they're coming on next and they were. You know, they love them too, but they damn sure love Nasty Savage. 
but um, uh, they were so inspirational. And Chris, what a guitarist, and Keith Collins and all that. You know, those were the days, man. That, that's what made us who we were. Bands like Sabotage. There was another band named Argus um, that played a lot of British heavy metal and Stormchild, and they played Sabbath, and they played uh, Angel Witch, you know. Nice. And, uh, so we had bands like that, and then uh, another band called Vengeance uh, was another band that played some heavy stuff, and then we came out. You know? So Sabotage Days were great, though. That's what made Tampa Bay really what it was. They were the first ones to record at more sound recording studio. And uh, we, we followed after that. Besides the, all the nasty savage stuff you got going on, um, you have your born to ride.com site and also uh born to ride TV magazine. I believe that's on Facebook. Is that correct? Yeah. Born to ride. I, I produce, uh, I produced born to ride television for 28 years. It's the longest running biker TV show in the world. Actually, the, uh, I buy the TV time and I put it on the channel 38 here. It goes out to 14 counties and about two and a half million homes, cable and non-cable. Uh, I ran for, I produced 1,340 TV episodes, man. Longest running biker show in the world. More than cops. That's more than the Simpsons. 1,340 TV episodes. And I, I, I published Born to Ride magazine in Florida. Um, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, north of South Carolina, um, Tennessee, and Kentucky. So um, I've been doing that for, uh, like I said, 28 years. I just took the TV show off the air, got too expensive, and after COVID, it just got too too uh, too much to do. So I have a little more time on my hands now. And uh, you know, check out borntoride.com. We have all of our platforms that are in Born to Ride TV Magazine is our uh, – facebook page and we have a born to ride group as well on facebook we have instagram and all that other stuff too uh so we do biker events promotions marketing uh right now i'm publishing you know the magazine we do two a month or one for the southeast one for for florida so uh you know the biker community i magnify the greatness of bikers you know it's an easy job uh bikers are giving caring first responders veterans children veterans you know those big charities for bikers year long so um i really enjoy it i've met some of the greatest people in my life uh doing the biker thing and uh but i also have a passion for um i'm in like five different antique malls that i have booths in i go out and i uh i buy stuff all the time i always out picking like american pickers pawn stars uh or, or storage war I'm, I'm that guy and i'm buying all the time i'm selling and that storage yeah, it's full of stuff man it's got it in my office i got it in my garage uh, i have an addiction and it's a buying <laughs> stuff i always got to go to a flea market garage sales i love it man because you never know what you're going to find did What's you make it up to things in daytona this year <laughs> I did. we had some people in daytona i didn't go man it's it's almost like you get tired of it because they try to rape you on hotel rooms and take advantage of you and everybody wants that biker dollar. And then there's a bunch of, I call them ass clowns, people who just are stupid riders and they're not safe and they they injure other people by their being a dumbass. And uh, speaking of that, yeah. You know, so it's it's not, it's pretty scary, you know, out there. But we, we watched a guy on going in, uh, riding a wheelie with his girlfriend, holding on for dear life on, on the back. 
So it was a little crazy. We went up for the moto, motocross race. Just nice. Yeah, I mean, bike, it, it's great. It's a lot of industry people, but you know, sometimes there's no loyalty. So I'm, I'm like, I give and give and give, and then nothing in return by covering and magnifying the greatness of these industry people and their their products and things, and then they don't advertise. And it, it's 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 painful sometimes doing what we do and being a media guy. Like you guys, you're doing a show, but how many sponsors do you have? How many people really give you money to do it? But they're all going to tell you how you should be doing it. You know, it's just it's a labor. It's a labor of love, man. You got to you got to do what you really like. You know, otherwise, do what's in your heart. Yeah, and part of it also is you. You know, you you want to help the industry. You know, you're a biker. You go there. You want to help them. You think you'd get it back, but if they don't, then you know, screw it. But we're going to let you get going. Bill, do you want to say anything to your lost Tampa buddy before we get out of here? Well, I just want to say it was a pleasure talking to you, and it was great seeing you guys live last week, and we hope to see you again live soon and hear some new music soon as well. That's cool. You know, uh, reach out to me. I'll put you guys in my phone, make sure I got them, send me an email, and when we're playing again, I'll, I'll you know, let you guys know and take care of you guys and, uh, you know, get make you a part of the show and uh, have fun with us. You know, we really appreciate awesome. your support. And, uh, you know, this goes out to Richard Bateman. May he rest in peace. Uh, Chris Morehouse is another guy that was, uh, that's gone, was another bass player we had. And life yep. is short, guys. You got to make the most of it, you know, you really do. So enjoy yourselves and thanks again for everything. And if people can go to our site, it's a nastysavage.com or nasty or wage of May on Facebook. It's, uh, wage of Ma- nasty savage wage of mayhem. Go there and like it. Those help us. Uh, matter of fact, that that song's on there too. Uh, Six fingers on there, but it's nasty savage wage of mayhem. Check it out, people, and uh, let me know you heard me here on this radio station. I'll give someone a special prize, maybe a T-shirt or something. All right, well, nasty Ronnie, stay nasty, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the great work here, man. I really appreciate it. You too, man. Love you, brother. All right, thank you, Ronnie. All right, brother. Thank you, guys. Take care. Metal Birmingham. Take it easy. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.